I've got a show for you tonight. I'll get into that in a second, including having a special guest on our show this evening. But before we do that, we're going to get into some pretty serious topics in this episode. Let's start off with some levity. Let's start off with a little bit of wackiness. If you think having a a dementia patient and someone who is not cognitively aware and able to do the job to sit in the Oval Office as the leader of the free world. Today, Joe Biden delivered remarks to mark the 30th anniversary of the Family and Medical Leave Act. He was uh, joined by Bill Clinton at the White House to mark this 30th anniversary. And as usual, you can call them gaffes, you can call them foibles, you can call it entertainment. Whatever you call it, I call it a disaster. I'm so happy to be able to welcome my president back to the United States Congress, back to the United States Capitol, and he's promised me that I'll be able to sit at my desk tomorrow. Congress, Capitol. I'm Joe Biden. Am I still a senator or am I the president? What's going on here? Look, Mr. Magoo didn't just flub that up. I guess it could have been funny or witty. But look, at least he's got a different kind of confusion when it comes to women. At least different from Kentonji Brown-Jackson. Remember during her confirmation, she didn't want to answer what a woman was. Well, Biden is a lot smarter. He knows what at least half the women are. That they're women? Watch this. More than half the women in my cabinet, more than, more than half the people in my cabinet, more than half the women in my administration are women. Bravo, Mr. Biden. I know we make fun of Democrat math here on this channel, which works in wacky ways. But guess what? Your math is very sound this time around. In fact, you are correct. Of all the women in your administration, half of them are women. That's right. Half of the women in your administration are in fact women. Of course, we're dealing with the I assume here the traditional definition of a woman. But guess what, Mr. Biden? I have a bonus for you. Check this math out. Not only are half the women of the women in your administration women, but the other half of the women in your your administration are also women. You're welcome. No need to thank me. I just doubled the amount of women within the women of your administration. Welcome, folks, to the show today. My name is James, a.k.a. Black Conservative Patriot. Boy, do we have a show for you tonight. Very different. Coming closer, let me tell you. I have a special guest and commentator with me on this episode toward the end where we're going to talk about developing stories from the last 24 hours and continuation updates from the biggest story of the last couple days. I have Kevin McGarry with me. He is the president of the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California, and he's also the president of Every Black Life Matters. He has a YouTube channel, but here's where we have him on today. Today, in American Thinker, he had a great article that was published. The link is down below. His YouTube channel is down below, but he wrote, he wrote this great article, and I had to bring him on to share his thoughts on Memphis and other breaking news stories. So let's get into this. Let's start off with... Uh, let's see, whose turn is it? I think, um, 
I think it's my youngest daughter's turn to do the introduction. So let's have her do the introduction and let's get into the DC intrigue, other news, and then let's get into this great conversation I had with Brother Kevin. Welcome to Open Source News. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and turn on that notifications bell so you don't miss a thing. All right, welcome to Open Source News. Let's get right into this, folks. We do have some very serious and heavy topics. So why don't we have a little bit more fun at the expense of the progressive left and the crazies in D.C. uh, to start off uh, this episode. Kristen Taylor over at uh, the Gateway Pundit broke down this absolutely funny Twitter back and forth between some of our congressmen and women that you just have to see. It's hilarious. And the winner of this contest is a Republican congresswoman. This is good. Representative uh, Jimmy Gomez out of California, Democrat, had a meltdown this week because there were several Republicans sporting these assault weapon pins in Congress. Now, the pins, as you can see here, uh, are shaped uh, like semi-automatic rifles, and they were worn by at least three Republicans, uh, Representative Anna Polina Luna of Florida, Representative George Santos of New York, who's not very popular right now, Anna Polina Luna, if you recall, I had reported earlier that she was not for Kevin McCarthy to be speaker. She was one of the freshmen that came in that was like, I'm not automatically on the uh, on the on the Kevin uh, Choo Choo train. And then you have uh, Andrew Clyde of Georgia. Now, he, you, you got to follow this. So Representative Jimmy Gomez out of California says, where are these assault weapons pins coming from? Who is passing these out? And then we had one of the squad members going, it's freaking sick. And they are doing it during GV Survivors Week. And I'm thinking, GV, it didn't take us long to, took me two seconds. Oh, must be Gun Violence Survivors Week. Didn't even know that was a thing. Didn't know that that was a hashtag. You know, because I'm just not one of the cool kids anymore. Then, of course, she, uh, she responding to the tweet by Representative Jimmy Gomez uh, with, you have uh, Miss uh, Luna here, and then you have George Santos there. Uh, interesting, two Latinos, right? Then Congressman uh, Corey Smalltree jumps in. While gun violence continues to be the leading cause of death for children in our country, GOP members are wearing assault rifle pins during GV Survivors Week. Shameful. By the way, gun violence is not the leading cause of death for children in our country. That is fake news. I will... Don't quote me on this, but I think it's like drowning or something else, but it's not gun violence. Then we have uh, Gene Wu. The GOP has stopped playing coy and is now openly and unabashedly praising mass shooters. Will there be special versions to celebrate specific mass shootings? Representative Jimmy Gomez again. George Santos was wearing an assault weapons lapel pin literally days after a string of mass shootings. It gets good, folks. Bear with me. Call it tone deaf or stupid, but one thing is for certain. He's not fit to serve in Congress. Does anyone ever remember Jimmy Gomez saying anything about, oh, I don't know, Eric Swalwell having a sexual relationship with a Chinese spy and serving on the Intel Committee not being fit to serve in Congress? Uh, Does anybody remember... Anything about leaker and liar 
Adam Schiff not being fit to serve in Congress or a certain Congress person who may or may not have married one of their siblings and committed immigration fraud not being fit to serve in Congress? Oh, I don't know. But this is where it gets good. Then he sets his sight on Anna Paulina Luna, saying she wore an assault weapons pin at today's oversight hearing less than 48 hours after her state experienced a mass shooting. You can't make this caca up. This isn't the flex you think it is. <laughs> oh man, I'm like an Anna Paulina Luna already. Another staffer for, and I'll tell you, I'll get to the punchline here. Democrat Don Bayer called out Andrew Clyde. They're not sending their best. He, he didn't put it on his lapel. He put it on his tie. And then I showed you this from uh, Jimmy Gomez. And here is Anna Paulina Luna, representative's awesome reply. Stop trying to date me. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, stop trying to date me. I mean, now she... She freaking put the, uh, the lapel pin on there and she put it on official stationery uh, and tagged him at Representative Jimmy Gomez. Uh, that is so, so savage. And his weak soy boy reply is, wow, that escalated quickly. Talk about bat caca crazy. But in all seriousness, these are the pins you should be wearing instead. I honestly don't know what the orange one is. I guess it's for Gun Violence Awareness Week or whatever. And then this one, March for Our Lives, Our Rights, Our Power with a Black Fist. Black Power. Just like a Democrat to tell a woman what she should be doing. And supposedly, the Republicans are the misogynists and the racists. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Now, what's not funny are these treasonous, traitorous, rat bastards at all levels of government, elected and not elected, that are very friendly and cozy and working with China, much, unfortunately, to the detriment of our country. You can count among one of those American backstabbers, the environmental czar and spokesperson for the woke glo uh, globalist climate agenda, John Kerry. The House Oversight Committee today called on Joe Biden's climate czar, John Kerry, to provide information on his secret negotiation with communist China to undermine U.S. economic interests. Look, the fact that they're trying to push electric cars before they're ready for prime time and totally decimate our energy independence is a total gift and a boon to China. That alone in itself. Oh, but it's more than that. Here we have National Review reporting. In a letter obtained by National Review, a committee chair, chip, committee chairman James Comer accuses Kerry of using his spec role, a cabinet-level position that was created by President Biden and does not require Senate confirmation, to engage in activities that could undermine our economic health, skirt congressional authority, and threaten foreign policy under the guise of climate advoca advocacy, close quote. The Thursday letter represents a second such request for documents related to Kerry's climate negotiations with America's chief geopolitical rival. It was sent after Kerry ignored an initial request sent by Comer during the last Congress, according to Comer's office. Kerry has come under fire from GOP for dismissing the CCP's egregious human rights record and antagonism toward the U.S. in order to prioritize climate change migration efforts. Excuse me. 
climate change mitigation efforts. He has argued China's abuses should be decoupled from climate agreements in which the U.S. and China could be co-partners. You know, kind of like the Paris Accord, where everyone in the Western world, including the United States, was penalized and hampered and hogtied, but China got a free reign for 20 plus years. You mean those kind of uh, partnerships? No, thank you. That's like when, you know, these new hip couples where they're in an open relationship, but only one of the people is in the open relationship. The other one is still taking their marital vows seriously. It's that kind of farce. So that's uh, something going on over in D.C. Oh, but check this out, folks. Did you know that we have uh, what was a UFO, but now we know to be a Chinese aerial invasion into our space? Yeah, check this out. This was making the rounds on social media. Okay, that's the moon. It's a little fuzzy out here, and it's a kind of a cruddy phone, but it's slightly overcast. But what the heck is that? That's not the sun. And according to my little planet guide, it's not a planet. What the heck is that? Any help would be appreciated. Okay, folks, we now know this photo from KSVI TV. This is a massive Chinese spy balloon in Montana. The U.S. military is tracking it, but as of the time of this recording, they're just monitoring the suspected Chinese spy balloon floating over the state of Montana for two days. This is what Brigadier General Pat Ryder told NBC News. The United States government has detected and is tracking a high-altitude surveillance balloon that is over the continental United States right now. But they won't shoot the damn thing down. Wow. Ryder went on to say, once the U.S. government was notified about the floating balloon, they immediately started to notify officials of Montana to protect sensitive information. Flights were temporarily temporarily grounded after many noticed the UFO. It it is now an IFO, an identified flying object. The balloon is the size of three school buses. And Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley. All I'd say was Mark Milley, and you you know that this was going to favor China. Mr. Oh, if uh, Trump is going to do something against you, I'll let you guys know ahead of time. And his ass is still serving. How is this possible? How can treason at the highest order, and he's still in his position? Showing us his, treater, his treasonous, traitorous, rat bastards ways yet again. He said, uh, after evaluating the threat, evaluating the threat The U.S. military, along with the White House, opted not to shoot down the balloon. Debris from the floating device could possibly injure a civilian. Oh. So what's going on is they reviewed the threat of the Chinese stratospheric balloon. And this option was presented to Joe Biden. And him and his military said, let's not shoot it down. They're just telling everyone to, you know... Make sure in Montana that your information is secure. Oh, they're not doing it. It's a spy balloon, but they're not doing anything. They're not doing any spying. Wow. These are the same people that blame you for crimes committed against you. And you're a racist if you're upset about the border invasion 
on our southern border. I covered that this morning. Absolute nuttery. They should have shot it down days ago. What more trees? They have invaded our space with a spy balloon. You shoot that damn thing down the first time you see it. Well, since it's been two days and everyone knows it's there and it's just a balloon, it's not like it's going to take off. Why don't you clear the area and then shoot it down? Absolute insanity, folks. Speaking of shooting, let me get to my conversation with Brother Kevin McGarry about Memphis and what happened in New Jersey today. Fallout following the release of the body cam video of the police beating of Tyree Nichols. Three Memphis first responders have been fired and we're learning two other officers were relieved of duty. We are looking at everybody. The Memphis Fire Department says two EMTs, Jamichael Sandridge and Robert Long, and their lieutenant, Michelle Whitaker, have been fired after failing to adequately assess Nichols on the scene after he was brutally beaten January 7th, dying three days later at the hospital. All right, so further, further discuss this story and the developments and the philosophy behind how the left is going absolutely nuts. I have a special treat for y'all. You know that I don't usually do guests on this show. We'll probably be changing that very soon, but I had to bring this guest on. I have Kevin McGarry here. He is the president of the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California, and he had a great article published today uh, at American Thinker, and I had to bring him on to discuss it. Uh, Kevin, how are you doing? Tell us tell us your thoughts. Just Just your headline title alone for the article. I won't say it says it all, but it definitely packs a punch. Brother James, I got to first say, man, it's a real honor and privilege, man, for me to be here with you. Uh, always admire your work. And so just know you got a big admirer here and a big fan. And, and it's just an honor and a privilege. Yeah, I what I saw with the with the whole Memphis thing last week was a lot of people trying to hurry up and get this narrative about white supremacy and racism out. And I thought, this is really peculiar because the people involved have nothing to do with that. So the title of the article, to your point, was, uh, you know, Memphis burning. And then the subtitle was uh, police brutality. Yes. Racism. No. And so I, I go through the article and I try to, you know, help people to really orient their thinking around what's really going on here and not be so caught up with the one narrative that would really excuse the other potential root, root causes of this, this whole incident. Now, one thing I, I love that you said here, Kevin, in the, uh, in the article is, the racism narrative is compelling, but it is not the root of all evil. Yeah. Is it me or does it seem like that is the go-to gut reaction every time a black man or black woman is a victim of a crime? Every single time, irrespective of whether it's black on black or or whatever the case may be, like this case, you know, you got five black police officers on one black citizen, and uh, it's it's a horrible, horrible incident what happened, uh, and it's gruesome. I mean, completely inhumane. Uh, but you you know, the the whole point is your point is every single time, whether it's black on black or not. Uh, there's this narrative about white supremacy and racism. They have to push this. And uh, the reason being is because it's it's it, it's profitable for them to do so. Um, it's profitable for them to do so for the individuals like Sharpton and 
Jackson and these other characters who are always race baiting in this in this way. I'm gonna climb until Tyrese Nichols get justice. Yeah. Yes, I got books out. Yes, I got a TV show, but I'm a mountain climber. I'm not gonna stop till I get to the top of the mountain. You can call me names on right wing television. I'm a mountain climber. But it's also profitable for them to do so. So they deflect and keep the sort of the narrative off of themselves. I mean, anybody who's thinking, who understands Memphis or, or you know, the, the politics in Memphis, you understand that the governor, the, the, the mayor, the chief of police, the, the police captain, everybody all the way down are, you know, leftist progressive Democrats. So uh, the whole idea is if we can pin it on white supremacy and racism, we can keep the 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 uh, we can keep the uh, keep the scope off of ourselves as being complicit or somehow uh, we missed something in this whole incident and the, and the idea is uh, to always paint it with that narrative so we can short shrift it and just uh, have whoever did these these heinous acts uh, you know suffer the consequences but always keep the magnifier off of themselves and therefore they can continue to you know do what they're doing. In Memphis, the swift action to dismiss and charge the officers involved has been noticeable. So it's like everything we see from the progressive left. It's a distraction. It's a, def it's a deflection. It Always. is a denial of the actual issue at play. Because I, I, yeah. I think we can agree. You said, it, you, you said it right there. Police brutality, yes. Yes. So, so here's the thing. Uh, when you look at this incident now, when it was when I saw it, I thought, "Oh my goodness, this is this is this is worse than a gang beatdown." I mean, this is these people; they are going all in and just really, really horrendous. I feel really, really sorry for Tyree and his family. My prayers are with them. Uh, it's just a terrible incident for a family to have to see what happened. Uh, but then, when you when you look at it, you see now this is not driven by just, "Hey, I opportunistically came up on a guy and." I just decided, you know, I'm, I'm angry today and I'm going to give him this. This was something additional that was driving this level of hatred and inhumanity. And it came out today that, well, yeah, one of the officers had an ex that apparently Tyree was involved with or still in, was still involved with. And that could have been uh, the, the real icing on the cake that that drove the animus, the tremendous disdain for humanity and had them take those actions upon that young man. I mean, just a horrible thing. So there's usually more to the story than we initially find out. Or in your article, you make a great point about not jumping to conclusions. Right, so here's what here's what happens. If we immediately jump to conclusions, let, let's say we all were just, okay, this is clear racism, let's just, that's what it is then that prevents us from looking at hiring practices. Uh, you know, you got to remember that they have a failed police chief that they hired, who was a female, a black female, that they hired here in, in, in Memphis. And they hired her, I guess, based on gender and color and that kind of thing. But anyway, they hired her, uh, but she got fired and I think it was Georgia, Atlanta. But anyway, that, that notwithstanding, so you have that, and then you have the issue of this whole Scorpion unit that you could look at, whether they were really hostile, whether they encouraged a certain amount of violence, whether that was you know permitted. Then you have the training practices. Then you have the psychological evaluations. 
then you have the entire defund police debacle. So now this is this this is really getting to the nub of what happened here. If you look at the defund police and you look at cities like Memphis, uh, you had a lot of uh, police officers retire quickly uh, when that whole thing started to go down a few years ago. And so they were under the gun to hire as many people as they can to fill the void, because other than that, you're going to have civil disorder. I mean, law enforcement, if you don't have enough law enforcement in the city, you, you know, you're not going to be able to uh, to maintain the city for any length of time. So they had to hurriedly uh, onboard as many officers as they could uh, to help fill the, the, the void of the, the folks that were leaving, going to Florida or other places. And so when you look at all of this in its totality, you see that, OK, you you probably hired people from the community, which is fine. That, that's fine. Um, but you may have shortcutted the normal onboard process because you needed bodies on the street uh, sooner rather than the actual normal training process. You look at the the backgrounds of these these officers, the majority of them were just were under three years. I think there were only two that were there for like five. Uh, so when you when you take all of that in consideration, and again, I'd love to see the psychological evaluations. All officers should have that. Um, all officers should have a certain amount of, uh, of training. I'd like to see whether there were any other incidents in the history of the, of these officers, all of that sincere, rigorous evaluation is completely dismissed. If we go with a narrative of, yeah, it's racist, it's white supremacist. These guys were, you, you see, so we're in real danger here. It, let's not, Tyree's life was ended and we need to be serious about trying to, get to the root cause of the issue, just dismissing it as, it's simplistically dismissing it as, oh, it's just racist white supremacist, let's move on. It's ridiculous. And people like Sharpton and, and, and Jackson and these other characters who want to quickly characterize it to make a political point and also to fill their pockets, um, they do a disservice to the family, to this young man, to everybody involved in this incident. All I'm saying is, look, can we be rigorous? Can we seriously take a look at what happened here? Um, and, and I think that that's the smartest way for us to go about uh, making sure that this incident doesn't reoccur. Because, again, if you just dismiss it as, well, racist, white supremacist, we'll, we'll put them in jail and throw away the keys, then you never, you never get to the other stuff that could have really been a part of it. And then what happens is you have the incident reoccurring. So if we really want to do away with these types of incidents, we've got to look at it all. Well, well said. Well said, Kevin. Now, are you aware of this story coming out of New Jersey of this black Republican councilwoman who was shot to death in her vehicle last night yeah. and some sort of apparent looks like some sort of targeted attack? Okay, we begin with breaking news this morning. A 30-year-old councilwoman has reportedly been shot and killed. This is in New Jersey. According to the New Jersey Globe, it was 30-year-old Sayreville councilwoman Eunice Dwumfort. This all happened just after 7 o'clock last night. They got a 911 call reporting shots fired on the Samuel Circle, which again is right inside this condo complex. When cops got here, they found an unresponsive woman in the front seat of her car who was shot multiple times. She was pronounced dead at the scene. I'm not going to stop till I get to the top of the mountain. Where's Al Charlatan and Jesse Jackson on this one? Right. Uh, why, why do you think? I mean, this it's now been a good, I don't know, 24 hours, 20 plus hours. Where's the outrage on that? First of all, she's a woman of color, but she's a woman, right? I mean, yeah, I right. could define a woman and I'm pretty sure 
we can all agree in the definition this is a black woman. Where is the outrage? Why isn't this on the front page? Why isn't why isn't Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and the other characters, as you rightfully put, why are why aren't they on this case? Why aren't they screaming bloody murder literally on this one? Yeah, it, it, it's so terrible. We have this young, I think she was only 30, uh, recently elected councilwoman, but she happened to be a Republican, okay? And she's in New Jersey. Everybody knows, you know, Phil Murphy and what happens in New Jersey is just a terrible state. But uh, from a leftist progressive standpoint, it, it's just, uh, it's off the charts. But but that notwithstanding, for, for everyone to not be outraged, this young woman who was just sitting in her car got targeted and murdered brutally shot multiple times apparently and died right there at the scene uh and then we hear nothing from Sharpton he wasn't he just at the funeral yesterday and just raising uh you know all of this ruckus about uh you know blacks and being killed uh, mercilessly in our cities well here here's a perfect instance where uh Sharpton could have come and said look and he lives right across the way he's in New York so (laughs) what happened so, uh, yeah, it's, it's just terrible. What we're going to see is there is no outrage when it's uh, conservative or, or Republican that's involved. I mean, it's just, okay, well, just the way it is for you guys, right? It's terrible. So I, I guess as much as they scream from the mountaintops, the rooftops, riot and fight and cancel you over not accepting them, in the end... Every black life doesn't matter, especially especially if you are not a progressive leftist. Brother Kevin, thank you so much for joining me uh, on this one. Look forward to having you back. Appreciate your time and your graciousness. Thank you, James. Really appreciate being here. God bless you, brother. And God bless you, my BCP family. We'll be back with more news uh, and developments Make sure that you hit like, share, and subscribe. The biggest thing you can do for us, just hit the like button, put your comment down below. And what would really help us out is if you missed yesterday's video or another episode from a few days ago, go ahead and watch that episode as well. Not just your interaction with this video, but other episodes that we've put up will help us as well. Don't forget to check out the link to Kevin's article down below, as well as our other show, which you can catch Our other show here on YouTube is over at the BCB Report. Once again, the links are down below. That's where my daughter reports on the news without any commentary. And then our other show can be found on Spotify and over at therealbcp.com. Until the next one, ciao, goodbye, God bless. Are we going to have a midnight show tonight? I don't know. Probably not. But maybe. But if you have subscribed and hit that notification bell, then you'll be notified. We hope. Thanks for joining us on Open Source News. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and turn on the notifications bell so you don't miss out on any real news.